What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the VHS Files podcast. Today, we're talking about David Cronenberg's The Fly. This film stars Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, and John Getz. The Fly was released on August 15th, 1986. It was directed by David Cronenberg, who's brought us such films as Shivers, Rabid, The Brood, Scanners, Videodrome, The Dead Zone, and After the Fly would bring us Dead Ringers, Naked Lunch, A History of Violence, Eastern Promises, and his latest film, Maps to the Stars. David Cronenberg is prolific in the horror community for bringing us the genre of body horror. With a modest budget of between $9 and $15 million, it brought in a box office of $60.6 million and brought David Cronenberg into the mainstream as a director. It was released amongst the likes of One Crazy Summer, Manhunter, Night of the Creeps, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Stand By Me. As always, this episode will contain heavy plot spoilers, harsh language, and adult content. We had a blast talking about David Cronenberg's The Fly this week, so hope you enjoy. Please, if you like the video, make sure you smash that like button and hit subscribe so that way you know when we put out new episodes. And now, on with the show. All right, so this week we watched... David Cronenberg's The Fly. Finally got some David Cronenberg up in this bitch. How's everybody feel about that? Very excited. Been waiting for some Cronenberg. Yeah, uh, I made sure to not eat before watching the movie. <laughs> because if you're smart and you know anything about Cronenberg, yeah, you, you don't go into a Cronenberg movie after eating, you know, like... Wait, Jason, I've got a magic word for you. What? Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Now I want a cheeseburger. I'm going to Waterburger. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm, I'm out, guys. Bye. So tell me a little bit about you guys' background with The Fly. I know I watched this one as a kid. I know this fucking movie scarred me as a kid. How about you guys? I did not see this one as a kid. I saw it as a grown-up. Was that grown-up. like two years ago? No, no. I, I would <laughs> say maybe it was a while ago, uh, mm. but uh, initially, and then I, I've watched it again a few times since. Love Goldblum. This is quintessential Goldblum. This is, I think this movie was my introduction to Jeff Goldblum, to be completely honest. Primo, Primo Goldblum. And I love that guy. So I've always loved this movie, largely for him. And then, of course, all the good Cronenbergian yuckiness and body horror and flesh and whatnot. Jason, how about you? Yeah. Fly was my first introduction to uh, Cronenberg's work. Uh, I mean, later I found out. It's all tied together in a way. It's disgusting body horror. We and then later video yeah. drone and all those things. And you're like, this guy's fucked up and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. But uh yeah, the fly was definitely something I watched as uh I was younger. My mom was in love with Jeff Goblin, like most women at that time. This is kind of where they fell in love with him before. <laughs> the <Yeah>. teleportation sequence <laughs> this is something we watched quite a bit i think this used to come on like hbo a lot that's one of my biggest memories good. of this movie is hbo used to play promos for it all the time i think at the time I'd, i hadn't seen the movie but i was curious as as to what it was because i kept seeing these promos but the bad part about the promos for hbo was is every time i would see it it always showed the shot of the final form of brundle getting into the telepod 
So you got to see what the creature looked like in the preview for the movie. You know, I, you know, I guess at that point it's like, well, it's on cable. If you haven't seen it, well, then you're a dumbass. But <laughs> I was like, whoa, like that was enough to captivate me. I was like, holy shit, what is that thing? And I got to see it. Like it was just that blew me away. And then watching this movie, oh, my God, dude, like I'd never seen anything like this before. Yeah, it's the first introduction to your like do flies really eat like that? So when the, like you watch this movie and the next time a fly lands on your hand, you're like, is my hand going to dissolve? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a revelation for anyone when they learn that when flies eat and land, they like barf up and regurgitate. And they're, I mean, that's there, there's definitely things in this movie that will leave an impression on you for at a first time watch. You know, if you've never seen it, if you've never experienced gore in the way that this one is like, this isn't, you know, super bloody guts blood all that stuff this is this is like jason said this is the definition of a body horror movie like it's just you're changing you're metamorphosizing you're you're becoming something that you you never were before and i'm curious have either one of you seen the original no i i have it and i had i pulled it because i was going to try to watch it before this recording but i did not get around to it so I've only seen bits and pieces of the it's the one of Vincent Price, right? He was yeah, it's got Vincent Price fly. in it. I was shocked to find out that Vincent Price wasn't the main character in the movie. He's kind of a, a side character. Like you're following his his narration through the movie, basically. But I was also kind of shocked to find out that this, I mean, it, it's the storyline follows very closely. Like the Cronenberg movie is not super far off from the original mm-hmm. 1958 movie. That's interesting. We're going to go ahead and do our back in time segment, and I'm going to throw it over to Eric, but uh, he's got a little surprise for you guys tonight. We're sending you back in time. <gasps> Whoa, this is heavy. <laughs> well, uh, when I went to do this segment, uh, I, I quickly looked up on IMDb what, uh, what the year was the fly came out, and I accidentally clicked apparently the fly Two. so i did my segment for 1989 this movie came out in 1986 but we're gonna we're gonna go back in time to 1989 fuck it why not let's do it why not uh hit, hit give me the music one more time let me let me get in the zone here we're sending you back in time <gasps> well this is heavy well josh in 1989 the nobel peace prize was awarded to the dalai lama little known fact that the dalai lama had a gambling addiction. Yeah, he really loves to bet. <laughs> you can't throw this gold away. You can't. Dude, dude, just because it's the wrong year. That's right. I like uh, that. Was a good one, Eric. I, I like that one. That thank was a good you. One. Uh, Motorola launches the world's smallest mobile telephone, uh, the MicroTac. It could fit in a shirt pocket and would set you back around three thousand uh, dollars. Do you guys know that most car manufacturers also make cell phones? No. Uh, except for Dodge. They only make chargers. <laughs> He's on He's a roll good night, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, oh. two for two. I like it. Keep, keep uh, it up, Eric. Game three of the 1989 World Series between Oakland and San Francisco was the first earthquake to ever be aired on live television in the United States. Uh, do you guys know uh, book sales skyrocket during an earthquake? Yeah, no. they are flying off the shelves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and finally, since we had the debut of the Game Boy in 1989, 
here's what you <laughs> 1989. Here's what you might hear when you fired that baby up. Hit it, Josh. Yep, that's from, what is that from, Josh? Mario, Super Mario Land. Mario Land, that's right. Uh, Love 8-bit music, man. Dude, the best yeah. game on uh, Game Boy still was Tetris. Tetris. I played my fair share of Tetris. Tetris music has been featured on my segment before, so. It has, yeah. it sure has. Tetris, or what was the one that came out, Dr. Mario? They had the pills. Yeah. I never played Dr. Mario. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I was just a Tetris guy. I didn't want to mess around with something else. Yeah, man. Falling tiles. Didn't want to mess around. I'll tell you what, let's mess around with some trivia. Pop quiz, hot shot. I know my 1989 trivia. I know my uh, 1986 trivia, and that's what I did. So I was on point tonight. Don't have a ton of them tonight, but I am going back to the golden raspberries for everybody. So I thought oh. this was pretty interesting. In 1986, this action star dominated. The Golden Raspberries with two separate nominations for Worst Picture, two separate nominations for Worst Actor, one nomination for Worst Director, and one nomination for Worst Screenplay. Who was it? Stallone. That is correct. What movies were they? Oh, gosh. Oh, uh, Stumpers. No, oh, Cobra, Cobra was actually, I think, the year before this. But Cobra did get nominated for some Razzies. <laughs> Man, I like Cobra, man. What the hell? Over the top? I like Cobra too. No, no, I think Over the Top was after this. It wasn't it, Rambo 3, was it? It was Rambo 2. 2. And Rocky 4. Dude, I love Rocky Rambo 4? 2 and Rocker 4. What the hell? They, Assholes. He actually won. He actually won uh, the worst movie, both Rocky and Rambo. He got both awards. Wow. Uh, he also won Worst Director for uh, Rocky IV. He also won Worst Actor for Rambo. <laughs> no love for Stallone on the Raspberries that year. No, they were out for him. Uh, Jason, you had one tidbit of information about 1986. That was the most important piece of news of that time. What was it? Well, the most important piece to me, because I'm a metal fan, and I, Metallica Master of Puppets was given to us. Obey your master! The last Master. album with the great Cliff Burton. Rest in peace, Cliff. But uh, One thing, uh, just a little quick side note. Jason and I just did an episode on Halloween Kills, and you guys can go back and listen to that one if you want to hear our thoughts. But we were talking about how awesome the CGI work was for Loomis's face, like Loomis mm. in that movie. Mm -hmm. It was not CGI, dude. It was all makeup effects. I saw yeah. articles today. It was all oh, makeup shit. effects. Oh, shit. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I tweeted about that. If you guys, If you guys followed me on Twitter, you would know. What's Twitter? But, uh, what is that? It's a social media oh, um, oh, platform. Okay. I'm, not hip, I'm not hip to your kids. <laughs> Have you ever jive. heard of Facebook or Instagram, Jason? Any of that stuff? Uh, I do the book of the face. He does Facebook He's because he's old. <laughs> All right. Well, since we've established that we are actually in 1986 and not 1989, we can start talking about David Cronenberg's The Fly. Uh, I love the way this fucking movie opens with that score yes. by Howard Shore. Oh, that's not what I was agreeing with. But yes, I like the score as well. I love how it just gets right into it. They're in no a party, bullshit. Boom, no frills, yeah. man. It just fucking starts, dude. It starts. No, no bullshit. 
and you know I, I i even like the it's kind of the predator scene of a, like the heat signature of the people walking around the room and you don't really know what you're looking at there at first and all of a sudden when the credits are over it zooms out and you're looking at people at a party just the dialogue immediately like what am i working on uh i'm working on something that'll change the world and human life as we know it and it's it just shocks me how in most movies nowadays you have to get through all of this filler to get to the point of where this movie's going you get the plot laid out pretty quickly, like within the first five minutes. Yeah, and I really like Seth and how he he's just so focused and so uh, excited about mm-hmm. what he's doing. He just can't help but... Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yep, they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. I'm not but share it with her as soon as he talks to her you know what I yeah mean? and i think it's pretty i think it's pretty apparent that he's he probably is confused and he doesn't get out enough to realize that he is talking to a journalist he's genuinely thinks he's just talking to someone at the party yeah he, he probably thought she worked for bartok or uh whoever the company yeah bartok the company yes yeah, bartok but uh he just bartok 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 how many times can we say that in this episode? Bartok. But <laughs> sorry, go ahead. He meets her there and then like because I mean I thought that's what he he was thinking that she was, but then after him carrying on, I just like he doesn't know how to interact with people. And I think she's probably just the first person that he happened to walk into and just starts carrying on a conversation with her. Because you could tell kind of at the beginning he's not like he says or she said, you don't get out much, do you? Yeah, you know, because he stays inside and everything, and which we kind of find out he's that train of thought of genius. I mean, he what he wears the same set of clothes every day because that's what <laughs> Einstein did. So you don't lose brain power. Hey, but yeah, he's like some, Mickey Mouse or SpongeBob. There's some truth to that, though, man, because I have a whole lot of black T-shirts and it's easy just to be able to grab a black T-shirt and start start your day. Dude. Like, hey, speaking of T-shirts, I've got a Cronenberg T-shirt on. He damn sure does. Cronenberg's first feature film. I'm Rabbit. taking a. I'm taking lessons from Jason and dressing appropriately for the episode. <laughs> hey, I got video, it. Matters. <laughs> I got Edgar Allan Poe. All right, <laughs> I got some Poe. I just have a black hoodie on because I didn't have to make any choices. But you're repping the gunship, bro, and that's I, all that matters. I am. I am. Got to represent. I think this is the role Jeff Goldblum was born to play, and I wonder if that's what people also think besides me because. You know, he had done plenty of movies before this. I mean, he was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers and a handful of other movies before this. But because this is what I mainly know him from, like this is my first introduction to him, I just feel like knowing knowing who he is in reality and what his mannerisms are and the way he acts, it's just like Jeff Goldblum as... as it's, a, it's perfect. And yeah. I'm going to gush about Jeff Goldblum right now. His cadence, the way he talks, he's so unusual he's just very intellectual and and yeah. and bizarre and kind of his like you say his mannerisms are just his eccentric eccentricities it, it's perfect for a mad scientist he's he's always thinking he's always kind of in mid-thought kind of losing track of where he's going and it, it's so perfect it's a perfect role for him he has that jitter to him the eye movement he's got the big eyes yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got a tick to him the way he, and he still does that in all of his movies. He's always kind of got, got that when he talks, it's very 
you know, yeah. active when his conversation is kind of like what I'm doing right now and using my hands. And, and I could I could listen to him just yammer on about anything for yeah. pretty much ever. When, whenever he's on, it does an interview or anything like that. I just watch it and I and it's an absolute pleasure. There's a show on Disney Plus where it's just him talking about specific topics. <laughs> have you watched that? The uh, the World According to Jeff Goldblum or I something not. like that. I have not. It's actually pretty good. Like he takes a different topic each week. So one week he'll talk about sneakers, and then the next week he'll talk about tattoos, and he talks to people about these things, and it's pretty funny. You know, Gina Davis is a character, Veronica. She's a little cocky herself because she seems like she's you know beneath all of this stuff doesn't want to be here isn't impressed by what he's telling her you know he doesn't really she's skeptical i mean he's he's saying some pretty big shit here if you, if you heard yeah. that from somebody else you'd be skeptical too right you gotta you gotta have some big fucking balls to say what i'm doing on is going to change the world everybody else is a dumbass right yeah. and somebody tells you that you're gonna be like uh, yeah but i'm gonna call you out on your bullshit did you guys know that they were they were an item gina davis and and yeah, the, yes because they did the our girls are easy together yeah and uh, yeah yeah and um so that's kind of interesting you know watching this movie the story about a, a couple going through this and knowing that they were you know a couple yeah. in real life they were intimate in real life that kind of yeah. stuff well cronenberg was actually uh kind of didn't want to cast her because they were dating he didn't want to do a couple but then she killed it at the audition hmm. so he's like okay never mind I, we'll do this I mean, I have to say, if you have anybody else opposite of Jeff Goldblum here, I don't know if it works as well. I mean, they play they play perfectly off of each other in this movie. I think it's their chemistry, like uh, Eric was saying, because they had already been dating. I mean, that's what they're basically doing. Yeah. Through the whole movie is initiating a romance and then carrying on with it. So, I mean, they already do that in real life. So well, it, it should be said that I don't think, you know, n neither one of them are really looking for a, a relationship at the beginning of this, I don't think. You know, Jeff Goldblum may be trying to court her. I mean, maybe that's his way of courting people is is his cockiness about his work that he's that he's doing. But, you know, she doesn't seem to be buying into it. She doesn't really get interested until she sees that what he's doing is actually something that's worth writing a story about. Yeah, He's got great piano skills, too, for first date. I think Jeff Goldblum's actually plays that shit, too. Yeah, that, he does. Oh, yeah, because he does. He plays music now. He's in yeah, like I think a jazz he's, quartet or whatever. He's got. Right. He's got like a like a a music career essentially. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a he's a hell of a interesting character. Damn right. Just that dude. I, I I have like a man crush on Jeff Goldblum or something. I don't know. Well, first things first. I mean, it, it seems like it looks like he's driving her to his hideout because he's a fucking serial killer. This does not oh, look yeah. like it should be a scientific laboratory. There's some red flags going up for sure. A lot of red flag talk these days. When when a yeah. mad scientist takes you back to an, a weird warehouse in a bad area of town, don't follow yeah. him in. And she shouldn't have followed him in because things do not go well for after this. And he doesn't make a good name for him or a, a good way for himself when he says, "Oh, it's too late. You've already seen them. Can't let you leave here alive." That yeah. shit's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, at that point in time, you freaking grab your shit and you run. Yeah, yeah. No, Even I mean, though it is Jeff Goldblum, and like I said, most women would stay because they think he's super hot, but still, that's a little creepy. He's pretty hot in this movie. Hey, let's talk about the design of these pods. I knew How it. How cool I fucking, do they look? I fucking knew Eric was going to okay. gush over the design of okay. these telepods. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, says so he loves it. Where did Cronenberg get the idea for the, the design? I don't know. Uh, Cronenberg 
come up with the design from the cylinder heads on his Ducati motorcycle. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. If you look at them with the, with the fit, like the fins or fins. whatever on there. Yep. Yeah. Cooling, and after, coolant fins or whatever they yeah because I, I, I did all the, the, those notes before i watched the movie and i and i'm like dude those are totally motorcycle cylinders i mean yeah. they're, just, they're a little shaped a little different yeah but if they were to go straight up yeah. totally uh, i've never head. heard that that's very cool and i love inspiration like that i mean inspiration come from anywhere and and um as long as you're inspired and that's what makes good design is is inspiration so yeah. that's very cool yeah and i love the way they look uh, all that stuff is is very cool i mean it it you know, you think of cinema, like the greatest, you know, sci-fi designs in cinema. You think of the, the Xenomorph, you think of the DeLorean, and you think of like all these different things. The the fly pods have to be up there. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'm watching this movie. I've watched this movie twice for the podcast, just for research and everything. But both times I'm watching it, as soon as the telepods pop up on screen, I was like, Eric's fucking creaming his pants. I know. <laughs> I know Eric's going to say how much he fucking loves these that, telepods. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, metaphorically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we get uh, the introduction to the great great grand uh, Paul of Alexa, which True. is his computer <laughs> system. And it's like again, we've talked about this. Is, uh, like, has sci-fi movies really inspired the things that we have nowadays? Uh, but I mean, here he is talking to a computer and is typing it all out. And back in 1986, you're just like, wow. Even as a kid, yeah, like, dude, his computer is typing what he's saying. So here's a question I have about the computer. Is the computer an AI? Because no. he seems to like he his all his mistakes and successes with this computer come with descriptions. He he describes and he tries to teach this computer about whatever the flesh and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when when he's got the steak and you know, like he's trying to teach the computer to understand. Oh, don't make it a synthetic copy. It has to have this these qualities to it for well, it to work. I mean, this thing is a learning computer, right? It's a right. CPU processor. <laughs> well, a learning but a, computer. But an AI would, but an AI would basically be sentient, and it would know to do this on its own because he even makes a remark: the computer will only do what I tell it to. I have to teach it. Well, I so, think there's degrees of what we're discussing here, but he's not just coding a computer he's talking to it he's he's talking about ideas with this computer not just data he's talking he's not just dealing with code and chemical makeups he's talking about concepts ideas things that a normal computer will not compute this something about this computer there's more to it than your average there's definitely an interesting spot for a question there because like you said, I mean, he is having to teach this thing. He is having to explain and and make it learn what the flesh is and all of that. But he also realizes once all this shit starts going haywire, his simple little telepods have become a gene uh, splicer. So the computer made the choice itself to do what it did. So therefore it is learning on its own. It has, you know, there is a, definitely a question, like, is this a, a form of AI? Like I, I can agree with that. Well, because yeah, later when they go through there, it's like, it could, it knew that it picked up his chemical makeup mm-hmm. of, you know, oxygen, all that stuff, but it had that, but it didn't know what to do. It, it was confused of what to do. So it just said, well, I'll put them together. Yeah. Right. The computer made a decision. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, suggests sentience. 
Now, there are a few things about the stuff they do with the telepod here that I do have questions about because it seems as though, you know, we we get our first instance of the telepod when he he sends her stalking through. Uh, And at this point, he's told her it can only do it it can only do inanimate objects. It can't do anything living. Nothing Uh, organic. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he, again, he's not making a good case for himself, uh, not being a serial killer because he's like, do you have something personal, maybe some jewelry or it's like, (laughs) it's like, are you trying to rob me? Are you trying to murder me? What is going on here? Are you uh, some kind of weirdo? Cause I mean, at first when she goes to reach her hand up her uh, skirt, I'm like, uh, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) What if she pull it off? But she just pulls the whole uh, stocking off and gets it. I thought she was going to just give him her shoe. That's what I thought. Like, why didn't you just give him the shoe? Yeah. Well, that's the first kind of we're dealing a lot with. Now, obviously, we're with Cronenberg. So, yeah, there's (laughs) the word flesh is going to come up. But we're also (laughs) dealing with there's a lot of sex in this movie. There's a lot of, uh, you know, which is apparently there. There was a some people thought this movie was about AIDS. Did you guys Yeah, there see was this? a big misconception about that. So, yeah, and and you know, you it came out at the height of the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. and, you know, so that was on on people's minds and then it is so so heavily sexually driven. Yeah. And you could obviously draw some sexually transmit, transmitted disease lines here with, you know, some of the stuff that goes on. But Cronenberg says that's not that was not the case. It's more about yeah. Uh, for him, it was more about like aging and and the inevitability of time and and falling apart and that kind right. of stuff. Yeah, trying to um, work out our faults, our right, our, hum- and our just human the, defects. Yeah. yeah, and just the idea that the flesh is temporary; it's not something that will last forever. You know, did, uh, just by its own nature, the flesh is temporary. But anybody yeah, this a is counter? our first. How many times they say flesh? How many times that, uh, well, how many times does uh, Seth Brundle say flesh? And how many times Eric's going to say flesh in this one uh, segment right here? Oh, just well, wait till we get to the fucking Videodrome eventually, my friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, exactly. I mean, it's all about the flesh, baby. But this is the, you know, this is the first, your first thing of like, you know, there's some sexual tension, obviously. But she, yeah, she decides, like you say, it could have been anything. It could have been a nice watch. It could have been a library card whatever but she decides to take her stocking off which is just such a yeah you know weird sexual connotation but no i mean it it is funny that he shows her all of this and then he realizes oh she's a journalist um but i mean she instantly like at the snap of a finger things change with her because yeah he is he has shown her something that is going to be big and she wants to be a part of that you can see like a light bulb go off above her head basically oh yeah and what's funny again like the whole serial killer thing like he tells her to reach in and grab that thing out of the pod i'm like girl like he could just push you in there at any moment lock you in that pod like you need to be guarding yourself but <laughs> she yeah. goes He's like the, re- the reason organics don't work is i haven't tried it yet on a human yeah, thanks right. for volunteering yeah go in there and get that stocking real quick yeah just kind of like just, hansel and Hands on Gretel. Can you reach yeah. in the back of the oven? Let me exactly. just push you in. Just a couple more steps in there. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Okay. The, the, the doors are automatic. A <laughs> uh, quick note. I, I like that he's that he hasn't built all this by himself. I like that he outsources oh, yes. some of his yeah. stuff. And it's more like conceptual. He's like Steve Jobs, you know, like he he's like got these ideas and he's like, make this work, make that that work. He, he doesn't know everything, which is part of, I think, what gets him in trouble. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's yeah, hubris. I like it because 
Well, cause he says, you know, I didn't, I don't know how to make a laser and I don't know how to do this. I had them build it, but he put it all together Yeah. in the end. So that was pretty cool how he did all that. I mean, you don't really get that exposition in some movies like that. You just think that the guy designed it all by himself. So she goes, like she said, she was a journalist. She was recording everything. He's freaking out because he doesn't want this to, for people to know about what he's doing there, especially like Bartok, the company yeah. he's, that's actually footing the bill. Yeah. Bartok. Bartok, yeah, you need to put a Bartok counter. Yeah, yeah Bartok too. counter and a flesh counter. I got too many fucking counters I got to put on this episode, fellas. <laughs> but uh, we get back and she's talking to, I guess, uh, her editor. I, I think that's what he is. His but name is Stathis Borens. Stathis Borens. Yeah, what the hell is with this name? This is a Cronenberg thing, right? Just it's gotta be. He's always got weird name, but I just want to, like, Eric will get this. I just want to call him Stannis Baratheon the whole fucking time. Yeah, Stannis, yeah. I kept thinking of <laughs> Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, let's just look at the, the name. First of all, this is a, and this will come up when we talk Almost Famous, but there's this is a very small movie. Oh, yeah. There oh, are yeah. not many cast. people in this movie, uh, but you've got Seth Brundle, which is a little weird. Uh Gina Davis is Veronica Quife, but they call her. I'm afraid Ronnie. to say that. Yeah, I'm afraid to say that last name. And then, but, uh, look, and Veronica then got, Queef. I don't know. There you go. Uh, yeah. All class. All class. This we guy. All, well, we all knew Jason was going to be the one to do it. All class. Uh, I'm calling yeah, it like it is. You got Stathis. You got Tawny. You got Doctor Cheevers. I mean, <laughs> these all these names are weird. <laughs> it's like he spent a week trying to think of the most hardest to pronounce names for these. Characters. His other movies are like that too. They've, oh, yeah, yeah, they've all his character weird. names are fucking weird. And like uh, the I, I watched Videodrome after I watched this uh, earlier this week, and yeah, the the names in that are all fucking weird too. Okay, and I don't it's know. Kind of awesome. Mean, not only that, <laughs> I'm I'm a car guy, and I'm still trying to figure out what kind of fucking car he drives. Yeah, that because emblem on Cronen, the front. I was Cronenberg likes to do some nice vehicles in his when he does show vehicles and stuff like that, and, and it kind of looks a little futuristic. I don't know what kind of fucking car that is. Yeah, it was a weird emblem on the front, like it looked like something German or some shit like that, but I couldn't make out what it was either. Because she's driving a Saab, I know that, and then I was like, "What is this car?" Because of the lines on it, it's it's not a. I mean, not a DeLorean that we know of, but I thought maybe it was a DeLorean design vehicle, but it's not. That was kind of what I was thinking was it was a DeLorean. I, yeah, but, I don't but, know if they but made, made any other by models. DeLorean. Yeah. yeah but, like, but not the back to the future type DeLorean. Right. It's a very weird looking car and it fits his personality because it looks like a dickhead's car and he's a dickhead. <laughs> so yeah, that is, that is the biggest thing about this movie for me is we're introduced to this guy who is an absolute fucking douchebag. He <laughs> He's a douchebag from the moment you meet him. He doesn't really have an arc in this movie. He continues to be a douchebag yet. He's the hero of the movie. Yeah. And he he's is, a creeper. He, I, he is a creeper. Yeah. Big time, dude. Well, it's interesting that, that, we're we gonna call her Ronnie. So yeah, we'll call, call her Ronnie. Ronnie. That's what everybody in the movie calls her. Okay, fine. Uh, just call her Ronnie, it's, Eric. It's interesting that Ronnie doesn't really have a- anyone to go to except for Stathis, right? Like, yeah, her she doesn't have friends. Yeah, like the the guy that she's trying to get rid of, but like yeah. she doesn't really have anyone else in her life apparently because yeah. when when things get sideways here, that's who she goes to, and I I guess. You know, he she does work with him, so part of it's that he, she has to report to him. But yeah, there, there there's don't there doesn't appear to be anyone else in her life. Well, one well, thing I will say for Ronnie in this movie is, even after we're introduced to him, 
every almost every word that comes out of his mouth, he is gaslighting the living shit out of Ronnie. But Ronnie has no qualms about standing up to him. She gives nope. the bullshit back to him at every sure. turn. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a little bit a little bit of push and pull there, but I love the fact that he continues to gaslight her till the end of this fucking movie. And unfortunately, the way the movie ends up, she ends up in a bad place. I hate that it has to take that direction, you know, yeah. because she has stood up to him throughout the entire movie. And then, like Eric just pointed out, she has no one else to turn to but this gaslighting dick face. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, I mean, like you said, uh, you don't know their past. I mean, you know that they dated, they split up. He lived with her because he said something about having the key to her apartment. He says, well, he was a I professor moved? of hers in college, and they got together, yeah. and then I guess whatever went sour. That's yeah, all you and, really know. And she got him in, or, or, or he got her into the journalism world and everything. And But the thing is, I mean, he used to live there because he said, you want me to move? But let's let, I'll just move back in, blah, 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 whatever. But the fact, I mean, he still had a key. You break up. You take your fucking key. Yeah. You don't want people just randomly in your house when you're not there. You yeah, know? I mean, this is one of those situations where – you know, it's kind of like a me too thing where he was a you know he was a professor he gave her opportunities he used his position to yeah. leverage things against her he became her boss like yeah i mean she's it, it's cool that she's kind of fighting him off at this point but yeah he's taken you know a lot of he's taken advantage of her quite a bit over the Course, yeah, you know, and and unfortunately, you've got that exchange between them where she asked for the key, and he's like, "I'll keep it for good time's sake." You know, yeah. he's still like, you can tell he's kind of a threat. Like, there's yeah. never, there's never a point where I feel like, until we get to the very end of this movie, I feel like he is more of a threat than Seth is at any given moment in this movie. Now, there is a point where Seth starts to go crazy, and you know, things get bad, but. I don't think Seth at any point would ever harm her until he is so desperate that he does what he does in the end. Well, because uh, he's basically no longer human. He's thinking of two minds, right. two species of minds. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, because he even tells her, you know, you got to leave because I might hurt you. So I think it is very smart for him to leverage her a little bit. And, you know, he's doing basically what, what Stathis does to her in a different way. He goes to her and he says, listen, you document my work. You can take, you can take as much information as you can stand, write the book, be there with me, document everything. That was a great play on his part to get her on his side and to help protect his research. I think that was pretty smart. And I really like the decision for him to do that. And it gives mm -hmm. them a chance to actually build a relationship. He's not just some weirdo. He's actually a, a fucking genius who was, you know, almost got a Nobel Prize before. Like, he knows what he's doing, and he really genuinely needs someone to talk to. Like, you can tell he's coming from a lonely place. He's tired of not having someone to talk to about these things. Yeah, and apparently she is, too, because she yeah. doesn't have anyone other than her shitty ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... Let's move on to our first gross part of the movie. Yeah. The baboon. The baboon. The ba it's the not baboons. a monkey. It's a baboon. A baboon's a monkey, isn't it? Baboon's a monkey. It's a baboon. Okay. They're some of the best actors in this movie, though. <laughs> I love the baboons. I want to hold a baboon. I love when he hangs out with the baboon. He holds yeah. it. Like, I want a baboon friend, but baboons will like eat your face off or something, right? If yeah. you're not careful, they'll bite your nose and your lips. Yeah, off. I do believe they can be very, uh, yeah, very violent, violent. But I even like their conversation later when he just 
you know, has a few drinks. He just carries on a whole conversation. With yeah, that baboon. whole scene where he's talking to the baboon and he says, you know, I didn't mean to kill your brother. Like it's, and he seems genuinely sincere there too. Like you can tell this guy is a sympathetic person. Here's mm-hmm. a question though. I mean, sincere perhaps, but why not use a mouse first? You're that talking was about my you question. Do, you can't do uh, organic transfers. You're going to go for a, 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 a baboon, which is one of the world's largest monkeys. It is a monkey, by the way. I just Googled it. Uh, <laughs> it's so, a fucking baboon. Um, so it is. It's like a rectangle s- square situation. It's both. But uh, yeah, why not uh, start with a fly or a, a cockroach or a, a, a mouse? Why go to a, a, a larger animal? That, How about uh, a lab rat? That's yes, a lab rat. Or so uh, yeah. I think or like a dog, you know, like a puppy. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 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 <laughs> yeah, let's just <laughs> no, but for real, like we you gotta work your way up. You can't you can't go from a stocking to a, to baboon. a baboon. Why yes. not a, a rat? Yeah, exactly. Well, but, I think he, you know, I love that whole speech he gives about, you know, the Bartok the Bartok the Bartok. Bartok Bartok company leaves him alone because he's doing all this stuff and he's cheap and and all that. And he just gets supplied with whatever they, they can get. Baboons aren't cheap. Well, I think the thing is, is Bartok, that's what they're able to supply him. I think he's only taking what he can get. So maybe he asked for a subject and that's what they sent him. Maybe he didn't have a choice. So you're saying he couldn't buy a $3 rat at the store. Maybe not. At At the, he couldn't That's afford smart, it. He, could, they, they, he said, I need some animals to test on. They go, well, we don't have any rats uh, here. Take these two baboons. You know, we got all these extra baboons. You want one of these? <laughs> well, here's where one of my questions for this movie comes in is we're all, we're, we're concerned with the matter that's going through these telepods and how they're being broken down and put back together when they move from one to the other. The thing that gets me about this is when they do the steak test. Because he puts the steak in with a plate. So my mm. guess is is they're breaking down both those materials. So the, why didn't the plate and the steak fuse together? Oh, Josh is a brilliant that motherfucker is right there. And, Holy shit, I did not think of that. And it also poses the question of, well, I have another issue with the steak scene too, but I'll get to that in a second. Um it also poses the question at the end when he's trying to combine them, when he's trying to fix himself and, and, and make the gene splicer put the human DNA back in. He puts uh, uh, Ronnie in the teleporter with all of her clothing on when he's been he's been trans transporting himself naked the oh, whole time. Like, I think that would still cause issues. I think if you know, let's let's consider the source here. Let's consider what got us in this from the first place. We had a human and a fly DNA. So. If you yes. have organic and non-organic materials, don't you think that's going to cause more problems? Well, I mean, yes, that that raises the question also of what what other things. I mean, we all know about things that are microscopic, microscopic organisms that yeah. live on the body that live that are just flying around. Dust mites, you know, like forget about flies. Uh, you know, amoebas. It's a massive mistake to let a fly buzz in there. Like, obviously, you need like a a clean environment. You need like you can't just have these things sitting in your in your your warehouse. You have to have like a a clean room yeah. first. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a a complete like cleaning. You know, shower. You gotta like this is like something you have to have perfectly clean 
if you're going to transport and make some, he's just got this in this dumpy old place. He's lucky a rat didn't walk in there or a yeah. slice of pizza or something fell hey. in there, a chicken wing. He's He could be all he kinds be, of shit. He could be Brundle chicken. Of, <laughs> hey, or, or speaking of that, he could be Brundle rat shit. What if a rat took a dump in there? Yeah. And he did it. He is now fused with. I'm turning. I'm I'm turning into a half man, half rat shit. shit. What if that happened and he came out looking like the fucking rat fink man, like fucking old school rat fink from the tattoos and stuff. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh Jesus Christ! But yeah, but no, I, mean, I mean that's we're, we're we're nitpicking on that. Yeah, but hey, it's continuity. Nudity. Yep. It, yeah. I mean, not... anything that goes in that thing is going to be an issue. Now the other thing I have plate, an issue with whatever. when he does this the steaks is he cuts a steak in half and uses one and the other to do test. Mm-hmm. When he feeds the steak to Ronnie, if you're paying attention to the cuts that he that he that he makes of the steak, yes, the cuts are inconsistent. He feeds her the first one, and the first one is the one that went in the telepod. Is that on purpose? I don't know. I don't know if that's an actual thing from the script or if that's just a movie mistake. I don't know. It's probably a movie mistake. I I didn't see anything about it, but yeah, it. it I noticed that as well. Continuity. So that it's was a major that error was, there. Unfortunately, when you watch things multiple times to research for a podcast, you find little issues like that. Um, but I do like. I do like the explanation. I do like when she tries the steak and she gives him some shit there. She's like, well, it needs a little finesse, but tastes like steak. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah. you need some seasoning. Eat some fucking salt, <laughs> some pepper, some garlic, maybe a little rosemary. I mean, give me a good meal here. A little but, butter. Yeah, we're good. But uh, I love that she's like, oh, it tastes, it tastes synthetic. And then that cues him in. And he like, you can, again, light bulb in his head. He knows what he needs to do from that point. Right, but the, the, the solution there is to teach the computer about the flesh, mm-hmm. which is such a, a weird, like, conceptual thing. Like, when he starts talking about the flesh and the 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 desire, I, I don't know if he uses that word. I can't remember exactly what he says, but something about, it gets, it gets philosophical, I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And how do you teach a computer? I guess that you can't, and that's why we had the gene splice <laughs> issue, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I, just weird. Like I, it's like instead of saying, "Oh, I need to change these compounds. I need to change this. I need to change that." It's I have to teach this computer. Yeah, I had to teach this program to understand the 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 human desire for flesh or something. <laughs> well, it's all in what she says about the grandma wanting to grab the cheeks because the flesh and all that stuff. And here's another thing: when I was a kid watching this movie, there's that incident where, and this has to mean something or else it wouldn't be there, but. When he rolls over on the top of that uh, motherboard microchip. piece yes, or the microchip, yeah. and that was always for me as a kid, like I thought that was the genesis of how all of this starts to go wrong. I thought something in that microchip caused the issue for him to, and maybe, just maybe, because he had that wound on his back, maybe that was the invitation to splice the genes. Mm. Whereas, yeah. whereas, you know, of course, he has open orifices and whatnot that that could do the same thing. But you know, these were tears in the flesh, not organic openings. I feel like because you, the first thing we see from his start of metamorphosis into this fly is the hairs on that part of his back. Yeah, the hairs are in that area, aren't they? Yeah, like it was trying to like fix that damaged right. area with some other. Yeah, I mean, that's to, yeah. that's such a 
quintessential Cronenberg thing too, like the weird combination of technology and flesh. I mean, yeah. obviously that yeah, video comes up often. <laughs> and yeah, and um, I mean, I was you don't know how long this took for him to teach a computer about what flesh is, what it is, what is the human body, and not to turn it inside out. So. Yeah, it's weird when when he talks about the, you know, just another like weird kind of unsettling thing, Cronenbergian thing you, you could say is like you said the the squeezing the cheeks, yeah, we're kind of like drawing lines between like lust, but also the 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 grandma or whatever wanting to squeeze the cheeks, such mm-hmm. an innocent like childhood thing. And we're drawing a line from there to like sexual urges and stuff. This yeah. is the kind of like weird mm-hmm. shit that Cronenberg yeah. draws comparisons made- to. And, and you go, ah, like you, you're putting those in the same mindset. Yeah. You know, she and, made that comment. I just want to eat you up. He's like, right. I just like, want to eat did- you up. Like combining she- like eating, eating mm-hmm. meat with lust, with love, with, uh, you know, all these like human emotions with like, consuming meat and blood and flesh it's a weird thing it's very cronenberg yeah yeah very 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 one thing back to mr creepy's status rapey guy uh he stayed the night to make sure she had stayed there all night and then follows her when she leaves oh yeah this there's no doubt this dude is a fucking stalker there's no fucking doubt but even at the clothing store, he looks like he's like he's mad. Like, he makes a fucking oh, scene, right. yeah, in a public place. Like yeah, you need to be far away from this fucking guy. And like it just shows, goes to show how crazy he is that he would do this in a public place in front of a lot of people, and make a complete ass of himself. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, although I do love the dialogue. I am finally onto something that's big, huge. Yeah. What? His cock. i will say the actor's delivery of that is fucking golden i love it i just want to read something i read about the uh the baboon okay Um, it says uh and this is from filmschoolrejects.com i'll just call him out since i'm reading it verbatim but uh the director notes the baboon used in the film became attracted to the script supervisor jillian richardson as she was evidently close to his height Cronenberg notes this was a problem on set, and Goblum, who was exponentially taller than the baboon, was able to dominate him. A subservient relationship grew between Goblum and the baboon, who accepted the lead actor as the alpha male on set. Wow. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's an alpha male, motherfucker. Yeah, he's like, I'm a six foot five baboon. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum was like, um, everyone wants a piece of me on this movie. <laughs> uh, Mr. Baboon. <laughs> Let's be calm. <laughs> ah, the flesh will find a way. <laughs> no. uh, I love Jeff Goldblum because he says uh a lot, which so do I. Yeah. It makes yes. me feel better about saying uh. So does Obama. I was actually thinking about this today. I was like, you know, people just have to want Jeff Goldblum in their movie because I feel like Jeff Goldblum is the kind of guy who's going to come to set and he's like, hey, uh, I'm the actor I am, and you're going to get what you get out of me. And if you don't want it, then you better hire somebody else. Like, he seems like that kind of an actor. It's like you, ha- you, right. have, I mean, you have to want him in your movie, or else you're just going to get something you're totally not looking for. Yeah, you don't bring in Jeff Goldblum to be, like, 
something other than Jeff Goldblum? Why right. would you? Why would you change what is already perfect? That's why yeah. he's perfect for like the Grandmaster and fucking Thor. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Just it's let like, him. Just cut him loose on set. Let him just be weird. Yeah, the director and the uh, scriptwriter walk up. Well, this is your lines. I don't do your lines. Yeah, you just tell me these. what my character is, and I'm gonna do it. Give me general specs, yeah. and I'll just just tell just me what's going riff. on. What who who what hot chick am I gonna talk to? Or whatever, and then I, I got this. You just go sit down. I just I imagine like the script supervisor trying to approach Jeff Goldblum on the set or whatever, and he gives that fucking laugh that he gives in Jurassic Park. <laughs> like the fucking weird ass laugh he does <laughs> now okay so it seems like you like jeff goblum here josh but you don't like jurassic park man fuck jurassic park fuck you man fuck you wow man, this is I crazy say. i can't believe i i know all the movies you like i cannot believe i mean you like all spielberg shit why don't you like jurassic park it doesn't make sense i don't like what all happened? of Spielberg stuff, namely okay, Jurassic fine, Park. Jurassic Park can fucking die. I don't care. <laughs> we need to do Jurassic Park very soon because I need to hear all your complaints and destroy them all for you. No, to be fair, I play up Jurassic Park a lot. I say I don't like it all the time. Jurassic Park is fine. That's the biggest thing with Jurassic Park for me is it's fine. It's not anything that I thought was fucking amazing when I was 14 years old where everybody else did. And there's a whole bunch that goes along with that. We can get into that in a Jurassic Park episode, but yes, I mean, I know our buddies at Not A, Palm, uh, at Not a Bomb have also kind of vo voiced their concerns because they're like, wait, what? You don't like Jurassic Park? <laughs> so it's, a lot of it is for shock value at this point. I understand that it's... Our, our double hand amputee buddies at Not A Palm. Not A Palm. <laughs> Not A Palm. <laughs> Sorry. Hey! Is Sathis part of that group? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> ah. oh, well. But uh, this is now with the, all this whole Sathis thing going on. Remember, she has to leave uh, to go talk to him because I guess he's doing his own story on Seth Brundle. Mm -hmm. She has to, but then this is where we just talked about our conversation with the baboon. I mean, he's now getting a little tipsy, wanting to try some stuff. He's like, fuck it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The way you sound, it sounds like he's trying to get frisky with this baboon. Here. <laughs> well, it is just, I mean. Lonely. You, hey, I, we, hey, remember, he, he, remember, he's the dominant here. You just said that. Fortunately for him, he's the dominant one. Yes. Otherwise, baboon's going to take things into his own hands. His furry hands. Literally, his furry hands. Eric said fortunately, and I could have swore he was about to say foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. There is foreshadowing here because the whole entire time he's talking, there's a fly flying around the room. At this and the point. baboon catches it, right? No, it just, swats it? it just swats no. it away. Swats it away, whatever. That's what I mean by the baboon is one of the best <laughs> actors in this movie because that whole scene where he's just like swatting away at the fly, I love that shit. Yeah, I that it is surprising how much they get out of the baboon. Seth does the the classic scientist mistake as he is impatient mm -hmm. and he wants and he's to, drunk. He's drunk. Yes. And he wants to he wants to get some results and he's not willing to wait for them the proper way. He doesn't want to go through rats and, you know, cats and whatever and work his way up to baboons and eventually humans. He wants to do. One baboon, two baboon, human immediately. 
This is why you don't drink in science, ladies and gentlemen. This is why you don't drink in science. Yes. And, and he drinked, and also he had lady problems, which will make you crazy as well, as we mm-hmm. all know. <laughs> and uh, for a genius to not consider contamination problems in the pod yeah. is unforgivable. It could be, a, if it wasn't, a, I guarantee in that pod with him, other than the fly was probably, you know, how, how many dust mites and whatever else. Like, I mean, he's a flea. surrounded a flea by in there from a the flea from the baboon, a baboon flea, a flea off the baboon's red ass. Yeah, br- Brundle flea. <laughs> Brundle, Brundle flea. flea. The <laughs> flea. The flea, too. The tick. Spoon! <laughs> but he wakes up in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, he's starring in the 1986 Olympics. Yeah, he's he's doing a floor exercise right there in the living room. He's becoming yeah. su- he realizes he's becoming a superhero. Fly a superhero. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I it it, it reminds me of Spider Man. Yeah, right? me too. Yep. I mean, you 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 got a person gaining the abilities of an insect. <laughs> I mean, you know, a arachnid insect. Leave me alone. I don't split. Fly hairs on me here, but <laughs> you know he's got he's got all these abilities now. I mean, he can even climb on walls like a spider, for God's sake. Yeah, Brundlefly, Brundlefly does whatever a Brundlefly does. Pukes on your hand, sucks it up. I love the term Brundlefly. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's really Brundlefly. good. You got Brundle, you got Fly, you mix them together. Brundle, Fly, it's amazing. If you notice, he has that walk too. He doesn't that. He walks like this as he's walking towards no shirt, walk, sweat. <laughs> oh he yeah, was, it's a yeah. sexy Goblum. Yeah, he's 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 looking good. He's feeling good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you might as well do that in slow motion. Have you know, a, like, <laughs> I like when they leave there. Do you have any coffee with your sugar? I mean, yeah, just oh, yeah. The sugar starts right. He he starts eating all kinds of sugar. Yeah, he obviously uh, knows something candy right bars now. and shit. Yeah, this is oh. where the mania starts to kick in. It, this it's this conversation at the coffee shop where you really start to see like, oh, something's different. And she's, yeah, he's she's, a little he's a little kooky. He's starting to get the twitches. Yep, I like the twitches. That's a nice effect, dude. Nice, yeah, like, I, and it's so Jeff Goldblum too. He does it in all of his movies. He has that twitch to him. Well, when he's I, talking. These are but, exaggerated. Twitches. Yeah, I mean they're he's, a little exaggerated, but he's a just, little movie. Okay. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah he's yeah. like super twitching like a damn. And what's why at this point? Yeah, well, and we go through all this, and we get back, and as you start thinking, it's like he is become very animalistic of the world because like an insect or animals you know you you're born you multiply you die yeah he wants to eat and he wants to mate yeah that's what yeah he wants. that's all yeah. that is the animal way you eat and you mate and then you die well he talks and, he has a monologue about insect politics right? and he will be the first insect politician <laughs> exactly which is a great uh thing and i guess cronenberg came up with this uh, insect politics thing from his days as an entomologist, which I didn't know that Cronenberg was an entomologist, which is a great way to start out before you make the movie, the fly, right? And he's a gynecologist. Um, he's a gynecologist in this movie. He's later a gynecologist. <laughs> that's right. Um, but he was, he was fascinated by insect societies, the division of labor and the caste structure therein. Uh, I'm reading this again off that website that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Film school rejects. 
Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And and one of the better, I think, bits of dialogue or monologue or whatever in the film. Yeah. I, I, I really like that when he starts. He's kind of in that place re- at that point where he can think about the pros of both. The pros mm-hmm. of being a human, the pros of being an insect. He's getting yeah. the strengths of both. He's got his intelligence and he's got his strength from the insect and he's kind of enjoying that and he's kind of having yeah. a good time there and then of course things start going more insect yeah. and less human well and this is uh right there too is also you know because i mean he's wanting to go and she's like i don't know how you have any fluids left in your body but uh <laughs> you, but then all of a sudden he's like well i feel great you know i want to put you through and you're kind of freaking out like is, is he gonna just throw her in there you know, we are obviously know that there's something wrong with him, and you can even kind of see it already. His face is a little like a little yeah. pocky, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little a little pocky, looking a little up. funky, looking a little sweaty. Yeah. He's not, he's he's not that perfect specimen that he started off as. Yeah, and I love gymnastics. Yeah, and I love you talk about the dialogue from the point where she says no, and he just freaking goes off on this whole flesh run i mean mm-hmm. it's that whole section is phenomenal i love Flesh. i mean there's so many little quotes in there and the, all the dialogue and i mean he's just gone off the, the i mean those on the jacket he's gone out because again he's his animalistic side i eat i must mate i hmm. have to keep making more you know and that's kind of my said he's in i mean that's what he's doing he's out just trying to find somebody to have sex with you're a fucking drag you know that <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit, but... All right, let's go ahead and talk about the cast of this bitch. Almost famous. I know that, dude. I don't know them. I know her. You Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What, what's that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? I'm sort of famous for being almost famous. Jason, did you underline your almost famous this week? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I actually I put my little notes next to my notation well there's a total of about seven people in this movie so i'm anxious to see what everybody (laughs) came up with (laughs) we all might say the same person (laughs) i bet we we will we can't say gina davis we can't say jeff goldblum nope nope and that leaves only leaves about six people yep no that leaves four or five (laughs) (laughs) so who did you pick jason i'm going first go eric you you go first i'm going john getz Jason, Leo is that gets, yours? Leo gets. Uh, no, uh, that's one. One? That would have yeah. been one that I would have picked, but I did get another one. Well, I'm going to go, I, I, maybe an argument is, I put David Cronenberg. See, I knew but, you were going to go there. But as an actor, not the director, because a lot of people don't really know what he looks like. We do, because he's been in movies like Nightbreed, Jason X, To Die For... He hasn't been as his face up front in many movies. So that's, that's who I fair. Put. That's but, fine. Well, yeah, John Getz, uh, he was Stathis. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was in Social Network, Blood Simple, Zodiac. Yep. Uh, he's currently in Doom Patrol. Yeah. So he's, Doom Patrol, I haven't seen. I've seen the first, I, episode, uh, first season, but not the second season. Yeah, he was in American Horror Story. He was in Bosch. Yeah, he's been in a handful of stuff. Um, I'm going a similar route as Jason. I'm going with someone who's prominent in David Cronenberg movies. 
I'm going with Leslie Carlson, and he's the doctor, the abortion yeah. doctor they go to. Yeah. Um, he is in Videodrome. He is in the Dead Zone. He, I believe he's in Scanners. So he's a, a he friend of Black Cronenberg Christmas, there. The original Black Christmas. Yeah, the original Black Christmas. So that was my pick for Almost nice. Famous. Nice. So. I think the general movie watcher would probably recognize John Getz the most out of any of these people. Yeah. But... I, you know, that's what this is for. We're here to highlight the people that we find in these movies. Nobody we else find. fucking matters. No, God damn I mean, it. I mean, I know Cronenberg. I mean, like he's his part in this movie, his face is covered because he's the gynecologist. But I, I remember him as Decker in Nightbreed. Nightbreed. Which is yep. One of my favorite characters in movies. But to be uh, fair, his face is covered in half of that movie too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, surprise, surprisingly enough, a cast of seven people, and we all picked someone different. So, hey, yeah. good for us. That's great. Yay! So we're going to get here. Jeff Goldblum's fucking fed up with Ronnie at this point. You can tell he's changing. He decides he's going to go find somebody that's willing to go through these machines. And we're going to talk about now this the other scene in this movie that fucking scarred me as a child is this arm wrestling scene. <laughs> oh, man. It is one of the first instances of me seeing a f- broken bone Compound fracture <laughs> come out of a fucking the arm of someone. Like I remember this watching this as a kid, and not only that, like before that happens, you get this the, sh- the close up shot of Goldblum's hand gripping this other guy's, and that white pussy stuff is coming out of the fingers. Yeah. And- That's what, I had that in my notes. It's like, is that? Something like the fluid come in. I mean, that's, I mean, I've seen it. I know he breaks his arm because of brute strength, but then I kind of wondered, is it the stuff that's coming out of me weakening the guy's arm, like the, the flesh and the bone where he can break it? Because I'm just kind of wondering, I mean, cause he's excreting uh, yeah, these I weird don't know. fluids. I, mean, I, I think it's just his, just he's gooey. He's a gooey fly, man. I don't know. I, yeah. I think it's just his flyness, you know? He's too He's fly for fly a white guy. For white guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Wow. Somebody made uh, that joke. At the same time. Uh, was this before or after the 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 fingernail? No, no. This is before. Before. This is okay. before. Yeah. So this is the first kind of milky discharge we see. Yeah. Oh, he no, say my next question was, is do discharge. we think that that stuff that's coming out of his fingers is the stuff that helps him walk on walls and stuff? Is that what that's supposed to be? Maybe it's a grip thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a gluey grip thing. I, yeah. I don't think it, I, I don't think it, it matters. It's just, he's, he's <laughs> it's getting Cron- buggy. He's getting a little buggy, yeah. you know? It's Cronenberg. We need goo. <laughs> we need right. goo. Need some goo. Lots of goo right now. Goo. It reminds me of one of my favorite Rick and Morty episodes when he fucking changes everybody and he's like, Boy, Morty, I really Cronenberg the world up, didn't I? We got a whole planet of Cronenbergs walking around down there, Morty. Uh, at least they're not in love with you anymore, though. That's a huge step in the right direction. I did it, Marty. I Cronenberg the world, Marty. <laughs> that shit's fucking hilarious. Yeah, they I have think... to abandon their world on that episode. Yeah, that Completely. episode's fucking heavy, man. <laughs> But I think that was the episode that finally roped me into Rick and Morty. I was kind of like on the line as I was watching that show. But that when I was like, oh, shit, that's fucking funny. This show's awesome. I'm going to watch this shit. I, However, I haven't I, watched any yeah. of the last season. 
I still never watched this. It's hard I, to I, watch I, right now. Yeah, yeah, I watched like, the pickle. I think I seen the pickle Rick episode. That everybody talked about. It's pretty funny. I never went back and watched the rest of it. Oh man, it's it's fun. Like if you just got twenty minutes to kill, go back and watch an episode of Rick and Morty from time to time. That shit's pretty fucking funny. Hey, we get our uh, our little bar fly of a lady. <laughs> uh, we meet we we, we meet Tawny. <laughs> Poor Tawny. I I feel bad for her. She is. I mean. Seth has gone super date rapey at this point. Oh he's yeah, and he looks forcing like forcing her. Yeah, he's forcing her into each situation, and she's clearly drunk or whatever. And and he's pushing her through each thing and getting her. I feel bad for Tawny in this movie more than anybody, really. Well, I mean, when he said, "I'm gonna, I'll, all right, I'll pay you whatever to do this, and I get the girl," and like he didn't even give oh, her yeah. a choice. I'm like, whoa. Oh, well, I love her response. She says, "Do I look like a hooker to you?" you know? Well, <laughs> cue to five minutes later after you break the guy's arm, she's going home with you. So, she's not a hooker, but she's got poor decision making. I feel like that's a little bit of weak writing there, because you know, I, I don't feel like a rational person. Even if you had had a few drinks in you, I don't think she would have left with him. But I mean, I understand he's forcing her. But I don't think she puts up much of a fight either. So that that that's it, yeah, always kind of bothering me. It is me. a little yeah. easy that he's able to leave after that. Yeah, because yeah, I mean they, they walk of... out the yeah they walk out the door and she's basically he's basically got his hand on her back like let's go yeah go. So. But yeah, I mean that also plays into it doesn't make much sense that she's into being with him once she, he takes her back and I mean she does witness something crazy. I mean, she, are you a magician? <laughs> I thought All that right, was this is my funny. question about this. Okay, does him going through the second time? Because remember, he goes through it again. He does the teleport. Yes, yes. I wonder if that actually accelerated his change. Because after this, you know, because that's when Ronnie comes back, then his fingers start popping off and everything else. I mean, (laughs) it's possible. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, because I I I thought about that this time. I'm like, okay, he's been through twice. Well, the also the other way you could look at that is that it actually works. He went through the second time and it had no yeah. change on him, which means it will work as long as you don't get in with a fly. Right. Or or get in with a fly and an open wound. Right. Or get in with a fly and a rat and a piece of pizza. But um, yeah, they have the whole he him and Tawny have their night together, whatever like that. And this is where I'm talking about the fly thing accelerated after he does that. And she says something about, let me give you a nice alcohol bath. And she puts the alcohol on his skin. Yeah. He says it burns. It it hurts. It hurts. You know, like, and I'm kind of wondering what's, I mean, burns us. (laughs) 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 But then again, he's going mad again too. He's trying to put Tawny in the damn machine. You're going to like it. I want to. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Best line in this movie, in my opinion, is the... Yeah, apparently that line came from Mel Brooks. Yeah, the producer of this movie. Yeah, who said it casually during a conversation about the script. All right, so how do we feel about the fingernail scene? Oh, I love it. I mean, that's that's what you're looking for, that disgusting body horror, like a squirting fingernail falling off excellent <laughs> yeah i even have in my notes it's like at this point it says let the gross begin yeah from this point on i mean we got the the baboon turned inside out yeah 
that was gross. I mean, we've seen that in movies, but from here on out, uh, yeah, Cronenberg's a freaking genius with what he does with this. I love but, all the bat, all that stuff in that in the bathroom, and and yeah, it's so unsettling, and it it preys on all your fears, right? Like that's. Man, the well, idea of your fingernails falling off and shit, that's nasty. Well, not only that, when you squeeze it and it doesn't, doesn't just ooze out, it shoots out on the freaking mirror. Yeah, yeah. on the mirror, yeah. Well, I mean, oh. I, you know, I I have weird-ass dreams all the time of my fucking teeth falling out. Ugh. I have these vivid dreams of, like, a, a, a string or something being in my mouth, and when I pull on it, like, it pulls, like, it, it, it comes from the top of my teeth and, like, pulls my teeth out. Oh no! So, what kind of LSD was this you were taking? <laughs> no comment. That's what I want to know. I don't want that ever. <laughs> but because of this, what's going on? He's freaking out, and he goes back to Alexa <laughs> and talks to her and goes, "What happened?" And we find out what has. I mean, we saw it because the fly in there, but he is now learning what happens because the computer breaks it down, the matter, and everything, and it even prints out a picture of a fly. So that was what was in the the pod with him. Let me see if I understand if the computer would have done what it's supposed to. And like I said, I had problems with the steak and the plate and all that stuff. And it, it transported those two things separately. So are right. we meant to believe that the computer got conf- it either a got confused and spliced them together because it was confused or it's B the wound that he had on his back. And that's how it happened. Ooh. But if things if things would have went the way they were supposed to, potentially he should have transported and the fly should have transported and it should have been two separate entities. Okay, I got what you're doing. I got, I got it. The steak, <laughs> the steak is organic. The plate is inorganic. It can separate the two. The fly and a human being are both organic material. It did like not. That. It did not know. It could not. Jason's good at this sometimes, man. He yeah, comes it could in, not differentiate with that. Yeah, he comes in with some good answers when you when you yeah. start poking holes. He, Jason, props. Yes. That boy's well, smart. That boy's got I'm some thinking. smarts to him. Sometimes he's smarter than he looks. <laughs> There's people over here in Texas. We smart about flies and humans and telepotties and things. Telepotties. Telepotties. <laughs> that sounds like a new product for babies in the 2020s. <laughs> fucking, hey, get your baby a telepotty. A telepotty is where you can send your shit to someone else. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> you shit here and send it to the toilet. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Never I'm have having... to change a diaper again. As soon as it comes out, it... Telepotty. I've been thinking about it since you said it earlier. And that's why, and I think that's why they can do clothes. If he does her, it can differentiate between non-organic things. It's learned now what organic and inorganic are. So what if that. she? What if she had a fur coat on? It's probably fake fur. Anyway. <laughs> it's probably fake fur. He says <laughs> he's dodging that question. I don't know, but no. I mean, back to what we're doing, like the plate and the steak, and then a fly and a human. Right. I what mean, if he's, she's got a silk shirt on, or wool? It's probably fake. We can actually cotton is cotton is organic too. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking about I, a, it was it was the 80s she's probably so, wearing polyester so, what, yes, so what you're saying is jason is not as smart as we just tried to make him out. hopefully no. she wasn't wearing leather <laughs> shoes yes well no but that, leather belt or she would have been part cow, part cow. <laughs> brundle cow 
<laughs> no, she would have been slacks from that movie. She would have been a walkie pair of pants walking around. <laughs> She'd have been Ronnie Cow. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as in the movie with the plate and the steak and fly and a human, I think that's the argument right there. Okay. It cannot I mean, differentiate the two organisms. It's pretty good. It's pretty I, good. I, I could take that. I could take All that. Right. Here, put that on the counter. Jason's right. One. <laughs> one. It'll First stay right ever. there as one. This is uh, uh this is really where we start to get the the ticks and the the jerking the head back and forth and the moving of the eyes a lot. Like I really love that Jeff Goldblum goes overboard here with all this stuff, especially with his eyes. Like you, if you watch his eyes, they're constantly moving the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And they apparently made a intentionally tried to make the the final his final uh, look kind of carry over his sort of emotional the human eyes a little bit even though they're big yeah they they tried to kind of carry over goblum's kind of he's got kind of buggy eyes you know Mm -hmm. yeah that's why i said he he fits this character perfectly he the features like i said in his face but also his you know physical acting i mean it's it's just great as a fly i think he pulls it off perfect so So in re in reality, do we think that Ronnie would really be coming back to this? Like, do, like again, like this is where having a small cast sort of hurts the movie a little bit because, like, you would have had to have gone to somebody if you'd have seen this shit. You would go to somebody other than your ex boyfriend, boss guy. Like, you need to go tell someone what's happening here, other than your creepy ex boyfriend. Yeah, and, I mean. We're we're existing in a small world here, a small circle. I mean, I don't know. She's, I don't know. Maybe something about her becoming. I can't remember. Did she know she's pregnant at this point. At this point, no. She no. learns after the first time she sees him. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she is definitely disturbed at that point. Because remember, he can barely walk. Uh, that's when he pukes. Yeah. For the first time. Right, right. I kind of like that there's a degradation and then a rejuvenation. Like you see him kind of degrade at that point. And then the next time she visits, he's walking up the walls. He's starting to jitter and whatnot. (laughs) She he tells her about the Brundle Museum of Natural History. (laughs) (laughs) Which that's a great line. Did anybody notice in there? I swear that was his penis in one of those jars. I think it might have been. I think it's his penis. Oh, really? I did not notice that. Yeah, I mean, because I've seen this a lot as a kid, and you're talking about all of his organs that fell off. I mean, his ear fell off. You're kind of thinking a fly. What has else no fell off? And then later, penis. there's nothing there. Later, yeah. arguably. So you kind of, you know, sorry, ladies, if you're in a Jeff Goldblum, he lost his penis in this movie. Um, that first time she visits him though, and he's talking to her, and he he vomits on the the donut. Do you think that's the first time that's happened? Because well, he that- seems he seems shocked by that. That's what I'm saying. I think the first time when he's sitting there talking to her and he just all of a sudden does it, I, he's like, oh, well, I think he even says that that's new or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Right. What and then his uh, ear immediately falls off afterwards. I love how close those two are together <laughs> when he does the barf and then like, oh, oop, my ear fell off. And what was funny is uh, reading the stuff for this movie. That's the only scene in the movie that freaked her out was the fact when his ear fell off and she was that had to be that close to him when it happened. She <laughs> said that actually disturbed her. See, that's that the part. thing. That's the thing about her character is like she seems to be all in on him, even though uh, this shit's happening because she's 
even at that point, this ear has just fallen off in front of her. He's got all this gross fucking mucus and whatnot all over his shirt. And she, she's still like hugging up on him. And she like, you can tell she's, she's concerned distraught. about him. And again, we know she doesn't have anyone else in her life other than that creeper. So, you know, right. She's got kind of all her eggs in this basket, all her, all her fly eggs. Okay, well, since basket. we're talking, before we start talking about fly eggs, let's get to a bigger quote. You're going to need a bigger quote. All right, a bigger quote. This is a segment where we highlight some of our favorite quotes from the movie, big or small. But first, Jason gives us the taglines. Okay. Jason, give us the taglines. All right, well, the same thing we did last time with taglines. We got a couple good taglines, and I wrote a few of my own. And nope. maybe my buddies here can figure out what Hollywood wrote and what I wrote. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Well, the first one, I'll just go ahead and say it because we know it. The be afraid, be very afraid. It was on That's real. That's there. real. I think that's real. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. That's a good one. Uh, body horror at its best. You wrote that. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? Half man, half insect, total terror. I think that's a genuine tagline. I think Jason wrote that. So Eric says he thinks I wrote it. Josh is correct. That's how ah, I, I was reaching there. Uh, evolution took a big leap, but in the wrong direction. Ooh. Mm. No, I think that's real. I think Jason wrote that. Josh won again. I wrote that. God damn it. But thanks, my Eric, for thinking Eric. that I that Hollywood would have wrote it. Maybe I, I need to go find a new job. Jason, the tagline guy. <laughs> and then it's funny you guys said this earlier, but I wrote the flyest brother on the block. <laughs> Good. Oh my oh. gosh. Yeah, but I, when y'all both said he's too fly for a white guy, I was like, that's just too funny that y'all said that. So, <laughs> but. Oh, well. Okay, quotes. What we got for quotes? There's a lot of quotes in this movie. Eric, you've been gunning to do this movie, so we'll say this was your pick this week, so you get to start. All right. Oh, am I boring you? Are we fucking boring you? Do you need oh, to go take a yawn. fucking nap? Oh. Go, go take Tag a nap, you old Roll man. Roll it back. Roll it back. And oh, no. action. <laughs> action. All right. Uh, I like when they get to his, uh, his lab at the beginning he says it's cleaner it's uh cleaner on the inside he thinks you're a con man excellent great the world's largest microwave oven i'm glad i didn't give you my rolex somehow i get the feeling you don't get out much you can tell that yeah is this a romance we're having is that what it is yeah, could be a romance. I don't think I get it. What happened? You get it all right, you just can't handle it. Um, is it live or is it Memorex? If you plan to make anything disappear, please let me know. I've got an assistant editor who's outlived his usefulness. I've got to do this, Seth. Talk to the tape, get in the habit. The world will want to know what you're thinking. Fuck is what I'm thinking. 
You're afraid to dive into the plasma pool, aren't you? You're afraid to be destroyed, recreated, aren't you? I bet you think that you woke me up about the flesh, don't you? But you only know society's straight line about the flesh. You can't penetrate beyond society's sick, gray fear of the flesh. Drink deep or taste not the plasma spring. See what I'm saying? No, I'm not just talking about sex and penetration. I'm talking about penetration beyond the veil of the flesh. A deep, penetrating dive into the plasma pool. You have to leave now. And never come back here. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion. No compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. Saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it. But now the dream is over and the insect is awake. No, sir. I'm saying I'll hurt you if you stay. Yep. That whole scene is amazing. Um, when he realizes that he's no longer human. But but I don't want to completely skip over this because this is another eye-fucking scene here. Like, eye-scarring scene is this dream sequence where she's having this abortion oh, done. And just, a, just an abortion scene on its own is pushing the, the envelope here. Yeah. Even nowadays. But, it's, you know... Back in 86? Yeah, and things are like, getting crazy. Like... You're like, oh shit, we're we're gonna watch this abortion happen. Yeah. You don't really know that it's yeah. a dream, and it doesn't really matter it until. Did you get uh, Eraserhead vibes from that? A little bit, a little bit. Yep. I honestly find Eraserhead a lot more fucked up than this. Uh, oh, me too. Me too. <clears throat> just because I mean, everyone's I... completely creeping me out in that movie, not just. <laughs> Fucking Eraserhead, Eraserhead is a, a living nightmare. Like, Eraserhead <laughs> is a nightmare on film. That's the best way I can describe Eraserhead. And I fucking love every minute of it. But, yeah, um, I remember seeing this as a kid and just being like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, could not comprehend what I just saw when they pull that giant fucking maggot out of her. Yeah, yeah, a little larvae type. Yeah. Yeah, it's... And of course, Cronenberg, who directs and has to be there, he's the one holding the larvae in his hand. Yeah. He's the gynecologist. So, I mean, it totally fits. He gets to do one of the most disturbing parts of the movie. He's the one in the middle of the scene. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, this scene where she finally goes to go get the abortion, and when he jumps through that giant fucking window, scared the living shit out of me when i was a kid man dude yeah like, because it's sitting there you're in a doctor's office and all you see is a shadow bam like i i did not see it coming at all and to be completely honest 
I kind of forget that's going to happen sometimes because, like I said, I watch this movie sporadically. It's not a movie that I like to watch over and yeah. over again. There's some pretty heavy and gross shit in it, so not one that I like to give multiple viewings to. But usually, if it's been a while since I've seen it, I kind of forget that's about to happen, and that scene still kind of gets me a little bit. And he looks fucking bad when he gets goes through that window. I love the different stages of Brundlefly. I love every single one. I mean, mm-hmm. we should probably just, I mean, you know, just starting off with, you know, few blemishes here and there, but then his face gets kind of like blistery. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into this weird, like kind of, he's like all bruised and like, like, like gooey, bumpy. And yeah, yeah, like his skin is turning like this, like dark red, like gnarly color and you know yeah he looks he's starting to his shape's changing he's hunching over his lips are weird his teeth are falling out he's he's really getting gnarly here one of my favorite things when he is going through this metamorphosis when she comes to see him and he's climbing on the wall and he's like halfway down and he goes oh look at this what's this i don't know and then he covers it back up. <laughs> I, I I love how how he kind of keeps a sense of humor throughout a lot of this, especially when he comes when when he's like, "Oh, you got me on video there," and he's like, "You got me there." How does Brundle fly eat? Well, he found out the hard and painful way that he's very much the way a fly eats. His teeth are now useless because although he can chew up solid food, he can't digest it. Solid food hurts. So, like a fly, Brundlefly breaks down solids with a corrosive enzyme. Welcome to Brundlefly. And he talked. <laughs> it's like a, he said about a children's book. He was saying this will make a great children's book. Yeah, like this is a great time for him to shine comedically. In a movie that kind of needs it at that point, I have to say, like, yeah. this movie's pretty dark through and through, and it's nice to have those little points where he's having that little, hey, kids, today with Brundlefly, I'm going to teach you about vomit drop. <laughs> you know, like- <laughs> and back to that, we kind of pass over that because I want to talk about that. That's actually probably one of the parts of the movie that actually gets me as far as, like, oh, yeah. And it's not what you see. It's when because that's happening and she's videoing it, but then it cuts to Sathis watching the video and you can hear it in the background. Yeah, that actually makes me more woozy than actually seeing it Mm -hmm. is to hear it. And uh, Mm -hmm. because when I was watching this time, I was like, "Ooh, mm, mm," because you can the 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 portrayal on the uh, character's face, Sathis, the disgust and like he's about to lose it. I think is what makes me feel that way. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's a you know that's a filmmaking thing where you, you it does give you a different experience watching somebody else react to it, you know, yeah, uh, than like, watching yeah. it yourself. It's like reaction videos. It's the world's first reaction videos. <laughs> it's a children's book. <laughs> Check this guy out. He turns into a fucking fly. You won't believe it. <laughs> he pukes on his food and sucks. Me reacting back. to Brundlefly. Oh, like and subscribe now <laughs> kids kids reacting to Br- brundlefly 
What a oh, kid's thing. We need a children's a book great... of Rundle Fly. No, 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 no. We need to somehow set it up to where we get a handful of 10 to 12-year-olds and show them the <laughs> Let fly. Let me stop you there. <laughs> Wait, that could have been bad. No good idea starts with, we need to get a handful of 10 or 12-year-olds. <laughs> I control- just want them to watch a movie, Eric. <laughs> In a controlled environment with their parents can be there, and we're going to show your kids this movie. Hey, I've got a 12-year-old. Hey, just saying, uh, Eric. Do I need to drive down to PC with my uh, Blu-ray, and we can set this up? Actually, she watched this with us. Wow, we, really? We, we fa- yeah, but we fast-forwarded through the sex stuff, so we skipped the sex stuff. Uh, okay, but, this yeah, is the only watched- movie where you could say, "Oh, we fast-forwarded through the sex stuff," and I'm like. That doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, it matters to me. I don't know. Like, but no, yeah, I mean, no, it, to- she- it, it totally matters. I'm just saying like <laughs> the, sh- the other th- things that happen in this movie yes. seem way worse. The sex is the least bad part of this movie. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't admit this on the podcast, but she wanted to watch it. And, and we're like, all right, fine. You know, so she liked it, too. Or at least she said she did. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, like I said, I saw this fucking movie when I was like yeah. eight or nine. So. I was younger than that. Yeah. Come on. And even and with the sex scenes in this, there's no nudity. Yeah. You don't, I don't, I think you may catch a glimpse of a nipple when Tawny's in the apartment. But for the, the most part, glimpse. the sex scenes in this are pretty tame. Any well, pubes? Think, Josh, you seen any yeah, pubes? Yeah, any pubes, Mr. Brown? No. Pube count? No. He, Do we have he, a pube count for this? He even, he even says that, you know, he's not a very hairy guy, so that's why he's happy that he's got the hairs on his back. So, you know, there's probably no pubes for me to see down there. Is the back hair, should we consider that a pube? Or would he, when, when he starts growing the brundle fly hair, does he get, like, really thick, like, unshavable pubes? You think? <laughs> yeah, you know, she tries to shave it, and it can't shave it. So he's got like unshavable, like super pubes. He's got super pubes. <laughs> super pubes. <laughs> That's a T-shirt. VHS files. Super pubes. <laughs> unshavable. Oh my god! You'd need Superman's heat vision to shave these pubes. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! Oh, let me regroup here. Regroup, regroup. Okay, we're good. Oh, Super pubes. But yeah, after he gets to the window and he takes her, Bartok. Know, uh, he, yeah, Bartok. <laughs> he picks her up, jumps on the building, but because he he had heard that you know she was having the baby, he was on the top of the building that she was pregnant. He gets her, but he gets back there and she, he's like, uh, "Have the baby. It's the only part of me that's still human." You know, when you please, well, at least we think we don't know. You know that. He impregnated her before right. after he went through. We just don't know that for sure. Well, we kind of do in part two. But well, at, uh, this, at this point, he's still trying to cling on to his humanity any way he yeah. can. So he's desperate. What I think is interesting about that scene is when she says, I don't want it. I can't have it. And he goes, too bad. That's what I was about to get at because it basically he says, well, if you don't want to do that, guess what? I'm going to go put you in the machine because I figured out that I can be more human by extra people. More human than human. <laughs> so oh, if Rob no. Zombie remade this, is Sherry Moon Zombie playing Ronnie or the fly? Okay. Well, let's not. Let's fucking not. <laughs> let's not. Uh, they walk a, a a really great line, keeping him somewhat sympathetic for as long as they can. 
Yeah. Like you say that those two lines right there are a great example mm-hmm. because you can see like, you know, he, he cares for the child. He, his own, whatever, his own legacy, his own, you know, flesh and blood. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, but it, but you know, then in the next breath, he's willing to take away like mm-hmm. her choice there. And, you can for as long as you can go with still seeing like his side of things they they take it kind of yeah. one step at a time just when they go a little too far they reel it back a little bit you start to feel bad for him again and then they and i think it helps that uh you know i'll say it again jeff goblum to me at least is such a likable guy yeah that even as far as he descends down after he's broken people's arms he's forced himself on this woman he's basically like you know, forced her to the house and, you know, weird, gross things like that. You still kind of want to root for him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. It's funny. You kept saying uh, going too far. And one of the little tidbits about this movie is that Jeff Goldblum sent a letter to Vincent Price since he was in the original mm-hmm. and asked him what he thought about the movie because Vincent Price watched the movie and he says, it was wonderful right up until a certain point. Then it went too far. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Vincent Price telling him that. He's like 20 minutes in. Is that what he's talking about? (laughs) I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, when even Mr. Ben in horror, Mr. Thriller voice, everything that he even says, this movie went too far. (laughs) You know, he's been in all kinds of horror movies, black and white throughout the years. But I think even David Cronenberg went a little too far for Vincent Price. Also, one thing the point, isn't it? Yeah. How 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 bad do you think this fucking place smells? Oh God! When uh, Stathis walks in with all the rotting food and the puked on food because that's how he eats. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I thought about it the first time I watched it for this, and I'm like, oh, this this place has got to stink so bad because of all the food and everything sitting around. But then you think about him excruting whatever it is he's excruting all across the apartment and dropping body parts and like. This place yeah, flies has to aren't smell. exactly uh, clean, you know. Yeah, is he pooping everywhere? Has he got fly poop? Fly poops. That's a great question. He should be. He should be yeah. pooping everywhere. There's <laughs> yeah, piles hey, of shit everywhere. Hey, Cronenberg, hey, you know, hey, we, we we like what you've done so far, but I mean, we need some fly shit around here. Okay, we don't have <laughs> enough gross stuff. We need some fly you know shit on the floor. You know what this movie's missing? Fly shit. shit. It fly needs, shit. needs more scat. <laughs> 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 that would have been cool when Stathis walked in and stepped in a big pile of fly shit. That would have been good. Oh yeah. And then and then Goblin And then Goblin could have said That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. Oh god. <laughs> but yeah, that would have been great. But then I mean Stathis, he shows up with a freaking nice shotgun. I think it's like a skeet gun. I, I didn't take him for I a had a note of that, too. Man. I was like, damn, that's a nice shotgun. Yeah. Oh, skate, 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 skate. Skate, 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 skate. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Reel it in. <laughs> We're having fun here at the VHS Files. This is a family show. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Bacon. But, uh... Dude, and then we get, oh, man, this is one of the, the scenes that sticks out is, uh, I guess he's in there walking around, checking it all out, and you see Brundlefly jump down, and the first thing he does is puke on his hand. 
oh. and just that slow meltdown of his oh yeah flesh. and they really linger on that for a while oh they man they don't just... just like a lot of movies it's like boom it's done it's over oh no it's we're gonna focus in on his hand going we're down just to gonna the bone. watch it dissolve yeah and as long as they linger on that hand i think when he does the uh, when he vomits on the guy's ankle is oh. way way worse like there's look, something yeah there's something weird about it being the ankle and it's it's not just the hand is melting or the foot is melting it's like something in the middle like the foot's gonna be ruined <laughs> you know I mean? no like it separates the fucking foot from the leg yeah, like, right yeah like if, if you see when he's puking <laughs> he's pulling the foot back yeah like this he's pulling it apart you're like huh <laughs> but he's right there on the verge like it's like is he about to do fucking vomit on this dude's face i think he's about to vomit on this dude's face and then you got ronnie saving the day no 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 no, don't i don't know if i can handle this shit <laughs> like what has to be going through her head when he says help me become human like what does she really think she's going to be able to do to help him like is she just completely lost all train of thought at this point and doesn't know what's going on? Like, I feel she, like she cares about Seth at this point. She's probably perhaps irrationally thinking that she can she's still checked help out. Him. I just had a huge six foot fly drag me around the freaking town here. He's yeah. the father of her child. Uh, also, he talks about using a human to add more human to him right using okay. the machine to right yeah i can't remember exactly if he's talking to the computer or if he's talking to status yeah, it says one or more human subjects in order to reduce the amount of fly in this right so like i when i saw this initially i was thinking he was going to throw status in there and use some of status's human dna yeah. or whatever to make himself to slow the process to make himself more human whatever and he kind of suggests that, but then that's sort of thrown away for the idea of becoming like merging with Ronnie and the baby and becoming yeah. like this weird one. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, I feel like that came out of nowhere. Well, you know, throwing Stannis in there and doing that, maybe that would have worked fine, but it's not poetic. What What is poetic is him the mother of his child and his child becoming one that is it poetic i, I, I don't know i mean i, I I'm, I'm just thinking like the idea the, comes out of nowhere it comes right at the end i mean is it set up previously not really like in the sick twisted sense of this movie it's poetic like that's yeah. probably how he's thinking yeah. at this point the only part of poetic i agree with is the p but it's more psychotic <laughs> because at this point like you said he's not really having rational thought he's i mean the fly part is taking over more than the human side uh but yeah i mean i mean like you said it could be poetic but it, to me it's more of a psychotic way of thinking he's like well i can't do anything else the only way i can be human is to be share a body with multiple people but this is where we get some really good stuff right here when he's trying to drag her to the pod and she pushes on his face and the whole jaw comes out oh, dude yeah. from that point on when his face splits open and that fly head starts to poke out it's so screwed up looking like i love that they didn't just make something that looked like a fly like yeah they, it, yeah. it's like suggestive of a fly maybe but it's just so oh, here, screwed up looking us. 
Josh will show us. He has the character. There we go. There we go. Excellent. A little closer. I like his little little thingies. Little thingies hanging down. I if you watch Rick and Morty, there is like an alien race that has these two little things where their nose would be that kind of hang down and they yeah yeah i know what like, you're talking about yeah they look very much like the the fly um frontal flyer well you know he cronenberg the world so yep yep but yeah that part where his head splits open and you know the eyeballs pop like gooey out and then oh that's that's a great yeah and then he you know the the, the human side is visually gone as well you know you're you're really just it's just a creature at this point he does still have his wits about him in certain things. Like he realizes when Stathis shoots the the cable to the to the uh, pod that this isn't going to work. I'd love when he breaks out of the pod and it takes pieces of the pod with him into the third, and then you get that crazy biomechanical fly brundle thing with wires hanging out of it. Oh yeah, when yeah. it merges again, we've got Cronenberg merging tech and flesh. Yeah into one thing and it's just like this horrific and this is where he should have been saying kill me yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all i could think of when he's crawling out of there it's like you got to put this well down. i mean he he can't vocalize it but he is saying that because like <laughs> yeah. you know he, he grabs, grabs the barrel the of that gun. shotgun yeah like that's yeah, based, yeah exactly even as much scarring stuff as we've seen here and how gross it is and how much bad shit he's done I still feel so bad for him in that moment when he does that. And, you know, even, even, even Ronnie, like she has to be the one that has to pull the trigger here after all she's been through. Like, it's just really sad. And, you know, we great shot, literally a great shot of his head exploding. Yeah. The exploding head is an excellent effect shot again. Really great. And you got to give it up to the special effects. This movie, they won an Academy award for this. Yeah. Chris Wallace. Um, uh, interestingly enough, Chris Wallace, the guy who did the, the makeup effects and whatnot for this, went on to direct The Fly 2. But we talked about how this movie just kicks right into gear and gets started. I also love that this movie just ends. There's no capper. There's no or epilogue. There is yeah. just, it's, it's fucking over. It's sad. It's done. And it's just like, here you go. The world, the world doesn't always have fucking smiles and rainbows, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a Disney movie, folks. <laughs> it ends as, as as abruptly as it starts. Yep. Yeah. 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 You come in, you watch, you leave. It's over. All right, let's get to it. The good, the bad, the ugly. Why? <laughs> and now everybody gets to see his face when he does it. Thank you, YouTube. We've already talked about this, but my note here was I'm going to guess Eric's good is the telepods. <laughs> so, oh. Eric, give us your good, the bad, and the ugly. Gosh, you know, maybe they should have been. It should have been the telepods, but I actually have the dissolving liquid. The, di- oh. the vomiting liquid is my is my good. Is that is that one of yours? Or? No. I'm just surprised you didn't say the telepods, man. I kind of – I'll add the telepods because okay. I, I agree. Those are – iconic and great um, okay do you know what they use to make the dissolving liquid mm, let me think but i do it wasn't pudding was it was it no. vanilla pudding no Ooh. i don't know honey milk and eggs yep Ooh. Milk and eggs. you imagine having that you jeff Globe, and they that's mix like basically up. pudding 
Well, <laughs> just the ingredients of pudding. And just spit this out. <laughs> Guy made pudding. Uh, bad is the merging idea coming right at the end of the movie. I don't feel like it totally wraps things up. I, we can disagree on that maybe, but um, thematically about all this stuff, it, you know, he wants to keep the kid, but then he wants to like merge with the kid. I don't know. I don't totally get that. Uh, it's a very, I'm reaching a bit. I think everything's really tight here, but I don't totally love that. And then ugly Brundlefly. That's pretty ugly. Pretty ugly, I have to admit. Yeah. What's up? Jason? Uh, oh, cool. I don't have to go last. Yay. Uh, mine, good. Josh? Uh, I'll, <laughs> you want to go no. next? Bartok. And uh, my good is uh, practical effects to make up. We just talked about that. That would yes. be one of mine. I mean, yep. I mean this right here, is the uh, makeup and special effects in this is right there with the thing. Yeah, I would They're agree. Pretty close. I mean, we're still way before we're doing a bunch of CGI. There was a little bit in this, but not a lot. But uh, and Jeff Goldblum as the fly, great. I mean, just <laughs> he nailed it. Jeff he Goldblum, is the human fly. Jeff Goldblum, and makeup effects by Chris Wallace were my two goods. So there okay. we go. Jason and I sharing a fucking brain again. Yeah, Chainsaw and Dave, and uh, my bad. There were a couple shots of the practical effects. I thought it could have been better. Uh, like the vomiting scene at the end of the movie, you definitely tell it's just a dummy and it's just plopping out of his mouth. I'm, I'm nitpicking because there isn't really that much bad in this. This movie. guy picks the special effects as is good and then yeah. knocks the no, special I, effects. No, I just said bad. one shot, oh. Oh. one shot. You can't nail every shot. That's why movies aren't perfect. If it was uh, no, if it was a shot, Jason, it would be the director of photography's fault. You're talking about a, a makeup effect that you yeah. just claimed was a good thing. So get your shit together. Shut up. <laughs> Cue up Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it. And I don't have it ugly. I don't have an ugly for this. I mean, just okay. Good and bad. That's okay. I think okay. it's, it's yeah. a great uh, movie. I like this movie. Well, I mean, we Jason just said what I thought was good about the movie. My ugly, however, would be that uh, the steak, the steaks are wrong. Oh, steak swap. The steak swap. Yep. Steak swap. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a movie error, I think. But the steaks are wrong, and that bothers me. So unless it's on purpose to get like a control for his scientific thing, like he switched them to get like an an unbiased opinion although her response doesn't add up for that so that's not for his no he no he wasn't talking about that he was the fact that they were prepared wrong not enough seasoning oh yeah i I know how to cook a good steak god damn it and he does not and that's a travesty that he cooked a steak without any seasoning without any butter without any rosemary fuck that guy (laughs) and i can tell you josh does cook a good steak he does he does really good that's a grill man right there he's got thank it. you thank you i appreciate it now all righty well guys <laughs> it's been fun talking about david cronenberg's the fly i'm excited to talk about some more david cronenberg i did want to ask when did you guys discover david cronenberg as opposed to just like seeing the fly and seeing videodrome like when did you finally discover who david cronenberg was and re- like kind of like the john carpenter thing like you realize oh that's why all these movies have a similar theme because it's the same fucking guy. Uh, for me, it was Nightbreed. Ah, okay. Because I liked the character, even though it's a Clive Barker movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he was in it and then i found out that he directed because i mean i'd seen the fly so much and then later found out he did video drum and that's why i watch video drum mm-hmm. is because i realized he directed the fly so and i was okay. i was a teenager it was probably like junior high maybe first year of high school okay eric what about you eric what about you uh i think it started with the fly for me and then you know, once I watched like scanners and video drum, I was starting to see all the connections and then kind of, I started going through everything existence and yeah. all these different, you know, I haven't seen all of his films, but, um, I haven't either, but yeah, I, I, I think it really started with the fly for me and, and, and grew out from there. Uh, yeah. Once you see the fly and video drum and, and, and existence, you really are seeing that common thread and scanners of the, the tech with the flesh right. that those themes are really heavy in those movies. And then you, you really get a lot of that um, body horror stuff in those. And then, you know, it's, uh, it, so yeah, it all started with the fly for me. So it's appropriate. Question. At the age of 35. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's not easy being the youngest guy in this podcast. Okay. I'm sorry. I wasn't born for some of these movies. <laughs> I think I think it probably was Film Junk, Film Junk podcast, and when we started, you know, Eric told oh, me yeah, about Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I I I can totally draw lines to that as well. And they're big uh, fans. And- Eric introduced me to that podcast. I started listening to it a lot back in the day, and uh, I think it was when they started. You know, I started really listening to their analysis of movies, and they started talking a lot about directors and scores and all of that and that sort of clued me into like oh there's more to a movie than just the story and all this other bullshit <laughs> so and then I, I don't remember what specifically it was that clued me into Cronenberg but I, I do remember vividly like finding out that he directed Videodrome and then I was like oh he also did The Fly well that makes sense <laughs> and then I saw Naked Lunch Whenever I lived in, <laughs> whenever when I lived oh in uh, Virginia, and Ooh. this was a this is a funny story. This was just a common like we ha- we had a friend there that was just a, a work acquaintance of Jenny's, but we were kind of ha- decided we were going to hang out, do dinner, and all that stuff one night. And he's like, "Well, I'll come over and watch a movie." He brought Naked Lunch over. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to bring this movie over so you guys can watch it." And at that point, we were like. Okay, whatever. We didn't know what it was. I, at that point, I did not know who Cron- I didn't know anything about David Cronenberg. And we watched Naked Lunch, and holy shit. That movie left an impression on me in the worst way possible because it is just out there. It is bizarre. I did not know what the fuck was going on. Now, I've grown to love it over the years, and I've watched it a few more times. But that first watch and then finding out that David Cronenberg did it, I was like, whoa, like... But the older I get, the more I get more interested in these filmmakers that make crazy fucking movies like this. I love Cronenberg. I love David Lynch. Love David Fincher. I just love David's. If you're a David filmmaker, I probably love you. Yeah. Yeah, when you think of that, and I was just having to look it up because there was another movie. I know it's not Cronenberg, but I think of Cronenberg when I watch it. Is that movie Society. Oh, yeah. That's Brian Usna. That's the guy who produced fucking uh, Reanimator. Yeah, but when I see, and I saw Society, I was just like, this is so Cronenberg. I know it's not, but I kind of link him into Cronenberg, like, movies. Eric, that that would that would be a good one to like get to get you a little closer to your horror degree is watching society. (laughs) I don't like this. I don't like the way you guys talk down to me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't like it. 
You better not be at the lockers at three o'clock, or I'm going to take your lunch money. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, that's going to do it for our conversation tonight. We hope you enjoyed our conversation about David Cronenberg's The Fly. If you like what you heard, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the like button, subscribe for our YouTube videos. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at VHS Files Podcast. Drop us an email at VHS Files Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be kind. Rewind. 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 been listening to the vhs files podcast watch a few movies take a few notes if you like what you heard please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast it was fun <laughs> send your questions comments and movie suggestions to vhs files podcast at gmail.com don't you blame the movies follow us on all social media outlets at vhs files podcast Movies don't create psychos. Check out our YouTube channel for more content. Movies make psychos more creative. Thanks for listening. Stupid. I need like powder. Makeup. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said I'm too shiny. Yeah. yeah. Makeup. I need. I'm shiny. I need makeup. Makeup. Shine check. I need to accent my cheekbones. I need need to dab my eyes. No, I'm not. I I see why people wear makeup. I I look like I look like the the anchors in Batman 89, like when they don't have their (laughs) do not use the following products (laughs) aftershave with deodorant. I need to, for real, get some makeup up in here. It's a new product. It's called Smiley. Love that joker. Put some powder on your face.